Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, Fanshawe College and anybody else that's listening to this. This is Ilhan Adin, and I'm the multimedia reporter for the Interabang. Welcome to the podcast. Elmer, thoughts? Oh, let me introduce Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hey. <laughs> I'm joined by Sarah. Uh, Sarah Wallace, once again, the cultural editor for the Western Gazette. Sarah, Elmer, go. Whoa, I can't. <laughs> It's something else, my dude. So So for those of you unaware, let me give you a little spiel about Elmer. So Elmer is about 40 minutes outside of London, Ontario, small town of about 7,500 people. Yet last Saturday, 2,000 of them were protesting against not necessarily wearing masks, not necessarily against COVID, just against tyranny. And apparently the government is a tyrannical one. So... I don't, I, I just, I just, I don't know how I feel about 2,000 people outside, not social distancing, not wearing masks, talking about the government is impeding their rights. I just, I, I can't. Oh. Sarah, go on. You, you, you say something, Sarah, because I, I don't know, I don't know how to process this. It just makes me laugh more than anything else, and I know that's really sad, but that's like peak, peak <laughs> 2020 energy right there. Right? Like we're both shell shocked right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, so from I'm not a math major. From doing quick maths, it's just about you know more than twenty five percent of their population was out mm-hmm. protesting, and you know um, that's something else. So that's something else. I will say Elmer did a great job of trying to represent their small their small town by having a protest against the protest earlier in the morning (laughs) so there was two protests that day one against the protest against the government and the restrictions and then one that was against the restrictions as a whole so I know of those 2,000 people Sarah apparently uh not everybody was from Elmer you know there's uh the organizers have you have you heard about the organizers of this uh of this no, I protest? Haven't. No. Okay. So Sarah, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> they are called, what is it? The Line Canada. And so I went on their website, thelinecanada.com slash protests to talk, to wonder like, what, what are they protesting exactly? So sure. let, me, let me give you a little spiel about uh, their organization. So they call, they say they are for pro freedom. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Pro freedom. And this is directly from their site. We are currently opposing the lockdown and the restrictions imposed on the people and the economy. We are not, and that was in capital letters, anti-masks. We have many followers in our movement that wear a mask. We are all free to make our own choices to wear a mask or not. They are, however, other groups that are anti-mask. And it's important for us, us being them, the line to clarify that they are an independent group and support your choice to wear a mask if you choose. We are all affected by the lockdown and we welcome all people to our protests to end the lockdown and reopen our economy. Um, hey, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but why am I getting like KKK feeling right here? <laughs> oh, that is- <laughs> Like, am I allowed to say that? Am I wrong? I love that. It's the 
thing is with me, I, I I don't get necessarily the the KKK vibes, but I get the organization of them behind it. Because if you go to their website, it's a nice site, which kind of concerns me because it's actually a nice site. It's well thought out. And then they have seven, seven protests lined up with two being regular in Toronto and Edmonton. I mean, to be fair, if I don't think we were expecting a site out in 1995. <laughs> so. I guess it's just me, <laughs> but me not being as good at technology that's impressed by the site design. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, okay, so I just watched um, Black Klansman a few days ago, which is mm-hmm. why I'm kind of getting those uh, That vibes. makes sense. Okay. <laughs> because it's just like, okay, so it's not like we're not all bad people. We have mm-hmm. some Black friends. <laughs> But we're still against black people. This is exactly what it is. It's like, we're not all bad. We have people that wear masks, mm-hmm. but we don't want to wear masks and we're trying to reopen the economy. Like, Exactly. I feel I like there's hypocrisy in, in their statement where it's like, we are for freedom and you're allowed to wear a mask, but we should have the option not to. Even though I, I am not a scientist. I am not a doctor. I'm just a little old student trying to be a filmmaker. So I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert on anything, but I do know there are people that (laughs) have dedicated their lives for years upon years to understand viruses and understand the, how it affects our body. So I'm going to rely on their information. And uh, I think I'm going to live my life in a way that's going to, I don't know, keep me alive. So I, I know there's, there's those like there's those give and takes like you know stay alive with yeah. a mask or you know go to starbucks i don't know there's two very very different uh, i just I wanna know. i wanna read off some of the things that were being chanted at this rally and some of oh, the signs that were that were uh that were seen so one of the rants were or one of the chants excuse me was rise up Freedom is essential. Interesting. <laughs> Another okay. one. Oh God. This one goes completely against their, hey guys, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. Healthy people don't wear masks. <laughs> that was a literal chant at this rally. And I was like, interesting that you guys say you're allowed to wear masks, but it sounds like you're telling everyone not to. So what you happened to freedom? Wear masks? You know who else doesn't wear masks? Who else, Dead Sarah? <laughs> Which is what you'll become if you don't wear a mask. Or somebody you love and care about because this virus affects everybody as we're all realizing right now. The last one, and this one honestly kind of actually makes me sad because children were holding this uh, this sign. Of course Make, Making your children wear a mask is child abuse. And oh, I'm yeah. like... Oh uh, yeah, 10 out of 10. Don't, don't you just love that when they get like the seven-year-olds in who are like, mommy, daddy, I can't even read. And they're like, it's okay, it's okay. Just hold the sign with the picture. <laughs> or worse, the kids are eating this up thinking, hey, this is the right kind of way to think. And not to say that parents should teach their kids how to think, but they should teach them how to critically think, which I think mm-hmm. is important. So it's just kind of sad to indoctrinate children at such a young age to believe, hey, information that's out there that probably contradicts what I'm saying, you should not listen to. Oh, for sure. Like I wrote a whole article and I'm going to plug myself here. I wrote for the Toronto Please Star do. back in July. And... Okay, Sarah, hyper up. I'm so okay, congratulations. Okay. Thank <laughs> you. But basically it was about JK Rowling being transphobic. 
And the whole thing, there's whole studies on this, is that people who read Harry Potter from a very young age have a very, like, critical thinking about their government. So they're more likely to be more democratic than they are to, and are able to recognize the authoritarianism, I can't speak this morning, of their <laughs> government. I can't speak in life, it's all good. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> of their government, if they just read these books. So if children are melding their political decisions and their minds around reading a children's series, can you imagine what they're gonna think when they're holding this sign that their mm -hmm. parents made them? And being says, cheered for it because they're around 2,000 adults, or let's say, let's say, yeah, majority adults who are sitting there hyping up this type of behavior. So you're gonna internalize and be like, I feel good because they're making me feel good. So I must be doing something right. Exactly. And that's just, that's, that's scary. What's scarier is, oh my God. <laughs> oh, please spill this tea. Please spill this uh, tea. What do you think, Sarah? We already know an anti-vax movement exists, okay? Sure. Yeah. And now with Canada and America both getting closer and closer to a vaccine, do you think people are actually going to take this vaccine? Oh my goodness. I think, I, I would hope so. That's my very first thought because I would, 100%. Yeah. But I don't know. There, It's, it's a strange frame of mind because there are people out there who know that there's a virus but are anti-vax. So like, will, will, will they take it? I, I don't know. Yeah. Will there be enough doses? Because I went to go get the flu shot two weeks ago at Rexall mm -hmm. right yep. before they announced that they ran out the amount of people that are going to be taking this vaccine mm -hmm. is insurmountable because they mm. want shit to go back to normal yeah so like can you imagine how fast it's going to run out when it actually comes I'm a very pessimistic person by nature so this is mm -hmm. this is the shit that I think about I don't think about <laughs> when the virus is going to come I'm going to be like okay yeah. when it comes it's going to run out and I'm not going to get it Mm -hmm. so that's my thing I hope yeah. that people will because people are more likely to take that than they are to take their flu shot this year realistically mm -hmm. but I have no idea I'm scared because honestly like just going back to the the website and my my basic ass being impressed by it uh <laughs> <laughs> it's the organization that I'm impressed by. The fact that they're able to have seven uh, protests with two reoccurring in major cities tells me there's a, enough people that are determined to make, make this a thing. In this case, a protest happen. The same thing cannot be applied to the anti-vax movement. And the same thing can be applied to, I guess, any ideology that's going to push us into living with COVID much longer than we have to. And I'm just, I'm worried that people are going to start thinking that, basically I'm worried people are going to start thinking for themselves. Not most people are, most people aren't smart enough to, I'm sorry. I know it sounds like a terrible <laughs> thing to say, but I said it myself. I'm not an expert at this ish. So I'm going to rely on the people that are the same way. If I was, if I was on a basketball team and I'm a professional athlete, I'm going to listen to a head coach who has practice in this, not some random person that was on YouTube looking at this you know what i mean so it's to me it's the same thing there are people that know more than us and we should really listen to them right now because they do but nobody wants to hear that they're not smart let me tell you most of us aren't and i'm including myself <laughs> oh i'm not 
dude, I did. I, it was hard enough for me to calculate that that was more than 25%. <laughs> like, like it, it was just, oh, you know, I, I know we're media students, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like we're doing this podcast because we're media students, not because we're scientific. <laughs> yeah. Like, experts trying to tell you guys, this is the information. No, we're here to talk about some of the nonsense that's happening in hopes that other people can want to talk about the nonsense that's happening. So people are aware because the amount of people that didn't even know that there was a protest happening in Elmer kind of worries me again, because I'm like, like I said, if they're this organized, that is going to happen in London sooner than we think it's happening in St. Thomas in a, either this Saturday or another Saturday. I'm trying not to focus on it. <laughs> We're trying to avoid it as best as we can, but sometimes we can't avoid this shit. Yeah, and honestly. I would be interested to know how many people in Toronto are doing it because yeah. like, are I don't know, like, is it a small group that's going to Queens Park that's doing it? Is it several thousand people because it like they can be organized all they want making a mm-hmm. website is quite easy because you can go on like those website builders like wix and stuff and they'll have mm-hmm. one for there and there but it's a matter of how many people are actually attending these pro- protests because we know it's a small it's a small minority it's a small vocal minority but how Absolutely. small is this minority it's big enough that i'm concerned they're going to start affecting numbers because honestly you're right if if as much as I said, it's a reoccurring protest in, in, in Toronto. If we haven't heard about it on the scale that we heard about Elmer, it's probably like a small group of people. But at the same time, Toronto just declared, I think it was yesterday, that they're back to like the super high red zone. Everything is closing up. So clearly something is still not working in Toronto. And I'm not going to blame them specifically, but even if it's a small group of people, it's still a group of people that are affecting the numbers and making it difficult for those that are adhering by the rules to live life. So, oh man. Which is completely fair. And I think we yeah. also have to look at it like, Toronto probably has to close down more because they have almost 3 million people. So oh, just by sheer percentage, even if they're mm-hmm. at the same percentage as like a London, whereas mm-hmm. London has like a sixth of the population even Mm -hmm. if it's a sixth of London's population versus a sixth of Toronto's population, that is a lot, a lot lot more, which is why they have to shut down. I'm just, uh, I'm just concerned. I really hope it's either or things are getting out of control. So even if it's not the fault of these kind of protests, either or (laughs) it's still happening and cases are still rising. So I hope people do take the necessary, take the necessary time to do the necessary research. And when I say research, I mean, read, read from places that you normally don't read from, read from places that you regularly read from, listen to all the information and try your best to make sense of it, but don't go to only one source or two sources and be like, that's it. Anybody who disagrees with me is wrong. If you, oh God, do your research, please take the vaccine, wear a mask guys. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. (laughs) I think the biggest thing is what we learned in first year in media. Go to your non-biased sources. Don't uh-huh. go to your echo chamber. Yes. Your echo oh. chamber might be like, I don't know. I, I'm going to segue into the election right now. Because... <laughs> speaking of like, echo chambers. <laughs> speaking of echo chambers. I don't know. So, obviously, I, as a media student, lean more to the Democratic side. And that's not saying that all media students do it's just what I do and I am 
I will be the first to admit that I'm in an echo chamber where I look at mainly those left-winging media sources. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I follow CNN or anything, but I do follow like Barack Obama and mm -hmm. my Twitter hashtags are tailored to that left-wing um, knowledge. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this isn't gonna be anywhere close. Like Joe Biden's gonna be elected. This won't be a problem. And obviously this went on until Saturday. It was a five day thing. And all I remember is I liked this tweet and it's from Adam Driver in Marriage Story when he does that thing where he's like, every day I wake up and I want you dead. But instead it was every day I wake up and it's still an election. <laughs> Fist through the drywall, crying. That was day oh three. My God. So, oh, like, so I think that most people thought that this election was gonna be pretty like, landslide mm -hmm. but it came down like trump was in the lead at the beginning i've mm -hmm. been watching since 7 p.m until 2 a.m in the morning which mm -hmm. is not good on someone's mental health <laughs> when they have to go to work at 9 a.m for a newspaper oh absolutely <laughs> so it was like concerning because it was going back and forth and obviously the red states were being declared first because they didn't do mail-in ballots as much because then pennsylvania and georgia yep. went obviously blue shout out to georgia and stacy abrams shout out. and arizona who mm -hmm. for the first time since like it was either 1952 or 1956 went blue wow wow like it, it, it was a lot like it's yeah. basically 70 years almost mm -hmm. so like i don't know i think everyone thought it was going to be pretty heavy hand, hand heavy handed win kind of like what yep. hillary was projecting like three days before yep. was Biden was even more and obviously Biden basically just narrowly won like he got yeah. like, what, 290 mm -hmm. that he needed 270 for and yep. it was only declared on Saturday yep and it was basically one state that kind of determined it which was Georgia and Pennsylvania yep. because Pennsylvania was still pretty red at that time so it was Georgia that mm -hmm. basically did it so I don't know you live in your echo chamber so you have to go find your non-biased sources whether it be from I don't know. I consider New York Times to be pretty impartial. They're like mm -hmm. they, same with the Associated Press. The yep. Associated, Associated Press. Yeah. Yep. I would go to those sources. Go to the actual Canadian government because they won't yep. be biased. They will tell you the facts straight up as they are. Mm -hmm. Long story and short, it, <laughs> it's just going back to echo chambers. I'm not sure if you saw the interview with Mock Mock um, Mike Pompey and no, <laughs> what he oh. Girl, listen. So, Mike Pompey, he was in an interview when he was asked whether or not he was going to help um, transition Biden into in, him and Biden's team into the White House. His statement was, when, excuse me, let me say, when asked if he was going to help transition Biden and his team into, um, into the White House, his response was, there will be a smooth transition into a second Trump administration. Right. And this okay, was after, and this is after he, Biden was declared, as you said on Saturday, to be the winner. It's I did stuff see like that quote. This, that is correct. Yes. It's stuff like this, plus the fact, as you said before, it was projected to be a landslide because everyone's like, of course, people are going to vote for Biden instead of Trump. He's a known racist, right? And he does not care about anybody but his rich friends, right? He doesn't pay his taxes, right? He's kind of an awful human being. And we've seen this for his entire life, right? 
But of course that didn't stop anybody. Of course not. No, why would that? Why would him being a garbage human being and completely not capable of doing the job because he has zero expertise? Why would that? Why would those kind of things stop him from being president, right? Tell me why it was about the same, if not higher amount of people that voted for Trump than than in 2016. It was about the same percentage of people that voted for him, if not a little bit higher here and there, which tells me America's still divided between uh, I want to live in an echo chamber. I actually both want to live in an echo chamber. Let's not pretend that <laughs> the yeah. left side isn't also living in an echo chamber, but just nobody wants to listen to anybody on either side. And I'm worried it's going to trickle down here in Canada. And our can you imagine if Trudeau was like, nah, I'm not leaving. Guys, I'm not leaving. I'm not <laughs> I don't care what you guys voted. I'm not leaving. That's the thing. So I get the New York Times newsletter every morning. And mm -hmm. literally today's example was, can you imagine if any other leader <laughs> of a major country yeah. decided that they weren't going to step down? Like, I it mean, was, it's, it's happened, but it's been in countries that are uh, not uh, the most powerful country in the world. It's been in countries exactly. with dictatorships. It's been, in, it's been in countries like I think russia in 1996 it was i think the most recent don't quote me on this i think it was uganda in 2009 mm -hmm. like it's not countries that have as big of an influence on the free world that the u.s does absolutely but and then, he's learned from them he's we know he's learned from russia <laughs> and i think the issue is is that for this is only like the start of it it's gonna yep. be that for years and years and years, I'm just going to hypothesize that the Republican government is going to keep doing this kind of thing. They're mm -hmm. never going, unless Trump magically decides, hey, I'm going to step down now, which he's not going to. Mm -hmm. They're going to, for 2024, 2028, 2032, keep saying, this is a fraudulent election. We mm -hmm. will not stand for it whether they win or they if if they don't win mm -hmm. i don't know how the democrats will reply to that i would like to say that they will not stoop to the level of mm -hmm. the republicans and what they're doing right now mm -hmm. but at the same time this is like the era of trumpism is continuously it's, going yeah and it's only it's only just started because yeah. this man sways wherever the money goes and if the money is going to lead to a tv network which I think is what he's leaning towards because he's had he's moved away from Fox. There's a new network that he really uh, enjoys and it's the OANN. It's like One America. Let me look it up so I know the exact name, but OANN. And I would not be surprised if he tries to work with them and build his own media empire because that's kind of where it's been looking like. They're the only place that's giving him uh, favorite, um, not favorite, not favorite reviews, but favoritism when it comes to the kind of stories that they talk about with him and the prop they're a propaganda machine for him basically they he's moved on from fox to them and because they're such a little network him and his money that or the money that's probably around him right now because we know he's broke but the money that's probably around him right now will easily shift towards building this oan oann network to be bigger than fox and bigger than anywhere else and we know he has the numbers he has the influence. As much as I dislike this man, I can't deny his influence and his impact is real. So that is where my head is at because he, because we, we, 
both, as you said before, we're media students. We know there's a lot of power in media and there's a lot of power in influence. And he has the influence. He has a network that he can build to make into whatever it is that he wants. And that I'm worried he's going to use that to then do exactly what you were saying, where it's like he's still going to continuously push this narrative that it's fake, it's it's rigged, um, it's corrupt. It's only corrupt until you get me into office. Then it's not corrupt, guys. But so long as you don't get me into office, it's fake, it's corrupt, it's not. And people are going to listen to him. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Do you think that he's kind of moved away because Fox is turning more journalists like Chris Wallace, who aren't going to yep. necessarily just agree with everything? I think there, I can't remember exactly when it was, but there was a shift with Fox where they started being like, they started pushing back on the, um, towards the president when he would say his long winded rambles. They would be like, ah, actually that's not incorrect. Oh, actually this is um, correct. Or here's, let me fact check you. Or is that, let me elaborate a little bit more. And as soon as he saw that, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to be questioned. I thought you guys were going to let me say whatever I wanted. And it's, I think part of that is because they saw that he was going to lose and they're like, let's kind of shift towards being not necessarily with Joe Biden and all of them, but shift to being to just talking about the news kind of biased, <laughs> not yeah, yeah. full fledged, you know, we're just a completely tad, a right. of bias. We're just, exactly. we're just sprinkling it over there. Sprinkle the racism, salt bay the racism into it. That's <laughs> Oh, yeah. I must say, um, though, I must say that I think in Trump's I, I remember what I was going to say now. I think mm -hmm. in Trump's Twitter rant when he was talking about the election, because mm -hmm. now Twitter has the alert basically saying like, oh, this wasn't correct. This yeah. was deemed, uh, this wasn't true when it was first tweeted. Mm -hmm. um, I think tweeted something that was like correct in that he said that 71 million people voted for me, which was the most of a sitting president ever. That mm -hmm. is true. Yeah. That being said, Joe Biden had like 74, 75 million. It didn't make a difference. However, I mean, uh, that was the one factual tweet that he said. That and is I was so like, funny. You are right. But. But. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's the thing. People love to twist facts because I'm not somebody who's like, uh, it's facts over feelings. No, it's a little bit of both. You know what I mean? So it's it's so funny watching somebody manipulate something we both said clearly is a fact, but in a way to tell a different story than what's actually depicted. Because yeah, 71 million voted for you. That's more than any sitting president, but the winner still had more than, <laughs> more than yeah. you and you want to pretend that's not a thing. Oh, it's so he's such a petulant child. It's hilarious to me, but in such a bad fun, a bad way. It's Oh, I must say, I do, I do applaud that His the stupidity, US, yep. <laughs> that the U.S. did go out and vote. Yes, because that was like if we count if we add them all together, which I do with my non-math mind, that is about <laughs> 146 million people out of I don't know how many people I think, are in the U.S. 350 I think million. Yeah, it's about 350. If I'm like not that. mistaken. Yeah. So like, like that's a that's a huge good jump. amount. Yeah, like it's if it just a little less than half. Yeah. And last time I think there was over a hundred thousand people that are hundred mil, oh my, hundred thousand, a hundred million that did not vote in the last yes. election. Let me, let me double check that while, while Sarah here, <laughs> like fact check. Exactly. So um, like you come, you're in the middle of a pandemic, you mm -hmm. are still going out and using your democratic voice to vote. And absolutely. I do applaud you for that because the whole thing is, is that people don't care well, you do care who you vote for, of but course. you're 
you're using your voice for something good. Mm-hmm. So like, I do applaud the U.S. for that yep. because record that is record numbers. Like, absolutely. I think the record before was Obama's two thousand and twelve. Yeah, his first one. His 2008, 2008, yeah, yeah, his 2008. He didn't yeah. have his high ratings in 2012. His 2008, <laughs> I think he got 65, 64 million votes, which was the highest at the time. And now Joe Biden got 10 million more, that, basically. Yeah. So like, from, sorry, go on. No, I'm, I'm just like, that's, that's good. Because yeah, like, yeah. yes, there's, in 12 years, there's more of a population. So I don't know mm-hmm. exactly what the percentage is on that, because mm-hmm. obviously every few years, someone exceeds the that, previous yeah. vote because there's just more population but i i think that's very good with the american public that they went into absolutely i hope i hope this reminds people not even just in the states that voting actually does matter i know there's always great debate about if your voice is actually heard through your vote and i understand why because there's especially in american politics there's a lot of ways to make it much more very difficult to get somebody to vote whether it's redlining whether it's just redistributing the the um the district so that you can get the people you need to vote for you so you're actually in place and it's not really reflective of the actual population that you're governing there's there's a lot of shady things that happen in in american politics that i'm sure canadians pick up too let's not act like (laughs) we're all perfect here um but it really does emphasize that your vote does matter. And I know I shouted out Stacey Abrams before, but just to give people a perspective of what she actually did, her and a lot of other grassroots um, organizations in Georgia got 800,000 people registered to vote. And they voted majority blue, which is why, as we mentioned before, it's historic because since 1992, it's been a red state. So, and, and I think you said Arizona since 1955, 52? Yeah, yeah. yeah 52 so, or 56. Yeah, it's it's it really does show that your vote does matter so long as as I guess you do it like yeah. <laughs> and I must so. say, I must say, every four years or yeah. every so often, at least when I was younger, I'm like, oh, like I prefer the U.S. way of voting. It seems a lot less complicated than the Canadian mm-hmm. way of voting. And then I go to an election, <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm never wrong. mind, never mind. <laughs> Because let, let, let's hypothesize here for a second, all right? So California mm-hmm. immediately went blue. Like they didn't, yep. even, they didn't yeah. even play for that. It's California. We, it's California. Like, and I'm like, great. Like, yes, we get more votes. But at the same time, can you imagine being a Republican living in California? Mm. And you're just like, why do I even bother? Because yep. this state is notoriously blue because of, yep. because of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. My vote's not going to do anything. So why do I bother? And I'm sure it's the same in states like, well, Texas was different this year. Texas was actually went blue for a bit, which I was actually very surprised about. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine being a Democrat in Texas or being yep. a Democrat in Arkansas mm-hmm. and just being like, my state is notoriously red and yep. that's not going to change with my vote. It is one mm-hmm. vote versus a million. Mm-hmm. So I can completely understand why people in the U.S. are like, I don't care about voting because yeah. depending on what state I live in, my vote doesn't matter, especially if I'm the other opposing party. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand that because like it is a really shitty system depending yeah. on where you live. 
which is why the electoral college should be demolished. But that's just my absolutely opinion. it should be one vote, one person. It's literally as simple as that. Like in my mind, at least. And once again, no expert here, guys. I'm sure it's more complicated mm-hmm. <laughs> than as simple as one person, one vote. But it the in practice, it should be as simple as one person, one vote. One thing I do like though, because obviously we both agree, electoral college is BS. That that I don't like that idea of voting or how to vote, excuse me. I like the idea of ranked ballots. Did you, in the last election we had here in the city making, did, do you remember the ranked ballot system that we had? So because I'm from Toronto, I That's never, true. I voted in Toronto when I went home, okay. but I do know about the ranked ballot system because mm-hmm. London is one of the only cities. Yep, that is ballot. correct. Yep. Yeah. And it got us our very first, uh, let me, hold on, let me get the word correct because let me not call her out. <laughs> let me, <laughs> let me get her profession uh, correct. <laughs> Yes, counselor. Okay, I'm not crazy. So yes, it, it got us uh, our first black counselor actually ranked ballot because okay. people were able to spread out what it is that they wanted from their candidates because it's this and if, for anybody who's curious as to what a ranked ballot is, this is at least my interpretation of it. Um, I'm sure there's somebody who who has a better explanation, but hey, it's okay. Go look it up after this, guys. Basically, when you're voting, instead of voting for just one person, as we were saying before, one person, one vote, you have the opportunity to vote for people in a ranking system. So your first person, there's the first person that you vote for. And then if they don't win, who else would you want to win? If they don't win, who else would you like to win? So then um, if I'm not mistaken, I remember in London, we had three choices. And so that way, it's in my mind, it at least gives people a more, it's reflective of the general feeling of everybody around, you know, because not one person may represent everything that you, your values, your morals, your integrity, and and it's nice to know that, hey, okay, I'm kind of liking this person, I'm kind of liking this person, I'm going to split my vote, Uh, let me not say split, but I'm going to vote for both in case one doesn't win. Yeah, it's in a sense, you're splitting your vote. Um, I know, I can't remember, and this is what, like I said, guys, media student. I'm not into politics like that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how the exact ranked system works. Let me look so, it up. From what I believe, so Western, in a sense, does a ranked ballot when we were voting for our USC president, because okay. at least last year it was like we had four candidates. So you basically mm-hmm. you show which one you want. And the Oscars actually also does a ranked ballot depending on who wins best picture. Okay. They rank who they want. Um, you get a certain number of votes kind of allotted, whether you get first position, you might get like three, second, you get two, third, you get one. I see. I think it, I think it's that way. Mm -hmm. So then it's more of a representative kind of sample. It's, it's not the right words, but basically you get a certain amount of points for how, however you rank. And then, so that's what it was. So you get the points for, you get the most points for if you're ranked number one. Um, and then here I'm reading off of London.ca. Um, so, you know, this is, this is the government talking now, guys, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Where was it? Oh no, guys, I had it right here. Oh, there we go. So if no candidate receives 50% plus one of the votes, then the candidate who received the least amount of votes is eliminated from the race. Yeah, so because, basically, and then it redistributes. Yes, yeah. It's redistributes. So then after, if, if yeah, and hopefully that makes sense. Like I said, guys, media students, okay? It's not, it's not a politics podcast, that's okay. Best, okay? <laughs> well, if you would like more information about how ranked ballots work, 
uh, go to london.ca slash government and then look for ranked ballots somewhere. <laughs> or better yet, Google. Google yeah, London, Ontario you know, ranked ballots, guys. And then go to the London.ca website. <laughs> or just in general, like how to just do like what is a ranked ballot. And it'll, exactly. it'll probably explain it better than we ever could. But yeah, you get, a, you, get a, you get a certain amount of yeah. votes. And it's, I know that um, the government necessi doesn't necessarily want it that way because yeah. it's kind of like, eh. There's, there's pros and there's cons. Pros, exactly, yeah. Like I can understand because they don't want a binary vote. You either vote for this person who believe all their beliefs or you vote for this person who believe all their beliefs. In a ranked exactly. ballot, it's kind of more like you can like this person that you want, yeah. that you want to win, but you don't necessarily want them to win per se. So you vote for the most qualified one, but put them still yeah. second so they still get a majority of them. It, it, yeah. It's a complicated system. They're both, voting is just complicated in general. It, it really is, honestly. <laughs> but like you're saying, it, it distributes your political view at least a little bit better so you feel like your ballot is more reflective of who you are because i'm doubtful one person represents everything about you you know and for me it takes away the stan ship i guess associated with uh with um or not the stan ship the celebrity associated with politics i don't care about i don't want to be entertained by politics i want people who are civil servants who want to do the job who are passionate about making whatever city town country con what, continent whatever part you're associated with in in politics just trying to make it better for people <laughs> for the people that you represent that's what i want back from politics i don't care about the showmanship you know yeah. so hopefully ranked ballots is something that more Canadians are interested in enough to start asking their own provincial governments to implement because I, I thought it was a great thing for London to do and I, I see what it did and obviously let me just be clear I am very happy to have our first black councillor um, in the city but I'm more than happy that she got the position because she's qualified not because she's black but unfortunately blackness in this instance could have potentially been something that prevented people from wanting to vote for her which is why ranked ballots allowed for people to vote for actual policies and not people so hopefully it's a system people are interested in yeah and to go off kind of that celebrity kind of aspect mm -hmm. of it so i i throw myself back to toronto back when i was in um high school and uh, what's his face Ford, the other Ford, the one that passed away was in power in Toronto. And it was an utter shit show. Like, oh, I remember on, he was on the night shows and the stage. I literally was Camel. like, Conan, Conan was talking about him. I was like, oh yeah. my God, Conan, yeah, this is he not was what Canada is about. <laughs> and then yep. as soon as John Tory got elected, he was actually offered to go on Camel and mm -hmm. John Tory said, no. Because Good. I'm here to run a city. This mm -hmm. is not a joke. Yep. And that's what I kind of feel is what's going to happen with Joe Biden, where mm -hmm. like people are going to make fun of Trump because it's easy to and it gets you mm -hmm. clicks. But Joe Biden's going to be like, no, like this is, we're actually going to run a country now. This is not a joke anymore. See, which I, is something we need. I hope, I hope so. But I can't help but remember Obama's presidency and obviously him being the first black president, there's a celebrity aspect just automatically associated with that mm -hmm. title. Um, and that's not, it's no fault of his own or his administration. But I mean, that was like the celebrity house. Like it was, it wasn't the White House, you know what I mean? And I'm worried mm -hmm. because although Joe Biden, 
it's most people I'm speaking with don't really care for Joe Biden. I know a lot more people are happy that Kamala, excuse me, Kamala Harris, the first woman and the first black woman to and be the first in, Indian woman and woman. Yes. There's a lot of firsts for Kamala. Harris. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure that we missed a couple others out there, guys, my bad. Um, <laughs> but for her being the first in so many categories reminds me of the celebrity aspect that was associated with Obama for being the first that I'm kind of worried. I hope that she doesn't kind of push towards that. But um, I don't know. I just feel like because it's such a historical moment that people are going to get caught up in the entertainment aspect of this administration rather than hey guys let's get back to work because i mean we see joe biden on twitter again you know he's he's still because this is where the people are the people want entertainment so i i'm yeah. curious to see i'm hopeful actually that's a lie i've become very pessimistic because of 2020 <laughs> so <laughs> i hope but i'm not hopeful that it is a good um uh, an administration that takes it more seriously and does not care about the celebrity aspect of it i think that they're already Per, I'm I'm biased, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think they're already starting to show that they're less taking that entertainment value because mm -hmm. you can see like, well, he's already starting to like go off his promises where he's like, yeah. I'm going back in the Paris Accord first day. And you know he's yep. going to do that. Yeah, oh he, yeah. He assigned his chief of the White House yesterday, I think, who mm -hmm. was the head task of the Ebola in 2014. Mm -hmm. And like, you could tell he's he's not giving it to his children. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, well, not yet, anyways. Not yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's not giving it to like the children's. There's not as much nepotism. Yeah, it's not in your face. It's not in your face anymore. It's back. It's back to behind closed doors. Good old American politics. Nepotism oh, yeah. behind closed doors, guys. <laughs> cheers, cheers. But, <laughs> but like. Yeah, so you could already tell, like, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's also, like, what, five days after he was yeah. technically elected, that mm -hmm. they're already starting to kind of make it work, in a sense. Mm -hmm. they're, they're going back to business. And I must say, when Kamala was elected, there was just, like, my heart went full. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, look at this woman. Absolutely. She, is the second most powerful person in the United States, AKA one of the second most powerful person in the free world. Yep. Like- She's a, a shoe away from, she's one episode of House of Cards away from, yeah, <laughs> from the exactly. presidency. <laughs> exactly. And I, I, I was prepared. So when I, when in 2016, I was in grade 11 mm -hmm. and I tweeted this, no context, I'm scared for the world. Mm. I quote tweeted myself because, you know, I mean, <laughs> Why not? I said, a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. My acne is clear. 2020 may be bad, but here's the little things. It, it's, and, it, you're absolutely right. Cheers to the little things. 2020 is not the best year, but cheers to the little things. It's, and it's, yeah. It's one thing bit. to be cheerful about. So I don't know about you, Sarah, okay. <laughs> but did you hear about the Halloween party in London? that uh got i guess raided might be the word uh oh yeah we reported all about it of course i did dude. of course i did it was all we were all over that shit yeah so, and there's three fan justins now so here's the thing this is the little little this is one of what i was trying to say cheers to the little things those fanshawe students i mean i i hope well I, they didn't necessarily say, say it was fanshawe students i know it's fanshawe cases so it could be students uh faculty or anybody um 
administrative uh, working here and whatnot, but they actually weren't affiliated with the party. And I was very happy to read that this morning, that those three cases that everyone was concerned about that they got at the, th the party um, actually wasn't because of that. It was community spread, which actually concerns me because it means these people were minding their business, doing what they were supposed to do, and they it's still got it. <laughs> I know, it's almost kind of worse. But yeah. I would say shout out to them because I fully, I, I tell you, Sarah, I fully was prepared to come in here and be like, Sandra, what is wrong with you? We cannot do this. But you know what? They didn't do it. It's not their fault. That's, that's that, the most important There's point. still a fanshawl what is wrong with you that you had this party. And oh, Western God, I know. Oh, I'm sure. Listen, I am absolutely certain there are fanshawl parties that people do not know about that are quiet enough that people aren't aware of, but big enough that could be still um, a point, like a, a super spreader event type of thing. But uh, yeah, Fanchal, watch out. Listen, we, 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 beat, we beat it this time. Right now, it's still Western that we can blame for yeah, COVID. Exactly. Come on, Western has not, 70 cases. Don't exactly, get on this not, It's not Fanchal. It's only community spread. So like, let's keep at it because we're we're doing our best best we can. I know, Sarah, you're embarrassed. It's okay. It's yeah, okay. I, I'm looking away from the camera. It's all Western's fault looks away from the camera. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I'm going to end our, our podcast with one question, our, our last question, Sarah, and I would love to know, actually, I'll present to you both questions. You tell me which one you want to talk about for our last subject. So sure. I have two. The first one is, why are Canadian post-secondary institutions focused more on being a business rather than educating their students? That's number one. Mm -hmm. uh, or we can end off talking about people working in the media, as two people who would like to work in the media and studying to work in the media, what are your thoughts about the idea that you have to sell yourself rather than your thoughts, if that makes sense. So oh, which one would you sense. like to discuss? Oh, baby. I, <laughs> I don't normally get this choice. Wow, I feel like I'm on an essay and I have to answer which question is best for me. Um, I'll go with the second one as okay. very- As writers? As, as writers. Media, yeah. I, well, as both kind of. Yeah. So when I first got Twitter back in lovely, <laughs> lovely April of 2016, I got it because my friends were like, hey, you should see like these tweets, you should see like, it's just more for fun kind of thing. Like we had Tumblr, we had, yeah. hey, we had Instagram was to share, share our pictures of us sitting in the cafeteria, that kind of shit. As soon as I kind of entered in my first year of university, as soon as I entered that newspaper media, circus i'll put it like that <laughs> circus is twitter. the best way to describe circus it circus is the best way to describe it twitter became a brand it didn't mm. become your thoughts it became who you want to sell yourself as so the fact that i even like tweeted that a few days ago i was a little like eh should i do this because this is not it's not necessarily me promoting myself but at the same time you want to use Twitter to make it seem like you're personable that you're not just it, it's a fine line between that you want to sell yourself versus you want to be yourself kind of thing mm -hmm. and then I got a fucking LinkedIn too I was like Jesus like I'm gonna need to start like I asked my dad and he's like yeah yeah like LinkedIn's important so I had to get a fucking LinkedIn and <laughs> even like my Instagram, like you have to be careful that you don't do certain actions because you never know who's screenshotting it and it could affect mm -hmm. you in the previous. I haven't done anything. I swear. I'm just putting, I'm just <laughs> saying that in general. And then your Facebook, Facebook is something else. Like I just use Facebook to promote my articles. It's basically for 
the, the friends of the parents of my friends to be like, hey, look, I'm doing something with my life. Mm-hmm. And I must say, social media just in general, when you're trying to enter the professional workforce as a like I'm 20 now, but I started doing this when I was an 18 year old kid. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know what I was doing. But you're trying to like sell the brand of yourself so that when either people who are clicking your articles see who you are as a person like when you looked on your LinkedIn and you're like wow like this kid has done x y and z and it's like you're selling an image of yourself versus selling your natural self as a person like I would much rather be tweeting about the Queen's Gambit which is such an amazing show but I know that for my own personal benefit, it's easier for me to retweet the last article that I wrote. Mm. Because it's if I don't retweet myself and I don't say that, hey, I did this, no one's going to read it. And, and I think so that's a, interesting. Yeah. So I know that you don't have social media and I <laughs> wish I could do that because I don't have <laughs> But it's just more, you become. <sighs> Like social media is a thing where like you don't show your true authentic self and that's been Mm -hmm. said since the beginning because obviously on Instagram there's a whole studies based on Mm -hmm. depression and show it because you're being shown all these good things and you don't feel like you're comparing yourself to that. And a lot of the time Twitter, at least the way that I use it, which is a a way that a lot of people actually use it, is that you're promoting the professional image of yourself to show like, hey, look, I wrote for the Toronto Star. Hey, look, I wrote for this student publication that's national. Hey, look, I wrote this article for the Gazette that was, that got picked up by the CBC. And that's how I'm on this podcast. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) It it is true. That's how I got on because I wrote this for the Gazette and I got on the CBC. So you're using your platform to retweet yourself, but then you're not showing like, Hey, like I'm actually really proud of this. It's just more of a shameless self-promotion kind of thing. And so it's so interesting that you say, you you said something earlier that you're not showing your authentic self, you're showing the self that's, I guess, there's something, yes, the marketable side of you. How do you think that affects you as a writer? Because like you're saying, you're trying to make money off your thoughts and your feelings and how you articulate said thoughts and feelings in a written format, yet people just care more about your face, about your resume, about Ooh, how many followers you have, how many, how interactive you are, how uninteractive you are online. Like it just, everybody cares about everything else except you being good at your job. Yeah. So like, I don't know, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. like I, I feel like I'm a shell of myself because I'm, I'm lucky as a student journalist that I don't have the pressures of necessarily being financed by these major advertising corporations that most newspapers Mm -hmm. like the New York Times are so I get a certain amount of freedom in the pieces that I write so I could write something about attacking the university and all I'd get probably was a bunch of angry emails from administrators basically saying don't do that again versus (laughs) if I did something that was attacking like let's say hypothetically and hopefully I will get to do this I work for the New York Times speak it into existence Sarah speak it into the existence (laughs) (laughs) And let's say that I write an article that pisses off one of their major advertisers. I would be fired. I wouldn't get a slap on the wrist saying, don't do that again. I would be fired from my job because that is affecting the marketability of the New York Times because Mm -hmm. they're funded by it. 
It's yep. kind of like the Washington Fo- the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos, who mm-hmm. is Amazon. So Washington Post can write articles about Amazon, but they're not gonna they're gonna be biased because Amazon owns them and it, it's a yep. big thing. Versus yep. the only people that own the Western Gazette is the university. Mm-hmm. And we can still criticize them because what are they gonna say to us? No. Exactly. It makes me worried. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go on. It's hard. No, it's hard. Like it makes you worried because you can have a certain amount of like academic, uh, like writing freedom when you're doing Mm -hmm. these pieces that in the real world, you don't necessarily get you're you're suppressed of what you're able to write about based on those businesses, because everything is a big business because of capitalism. And that's 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 the greatest way to end it, guys. Yeah, capitalism. <laughs> capitalism takes over our entire life. Oh God! Oh, as, God. as a media student, because it's a joke within mm-hmm. the Finns Faculty of Information and Media Studies at Western that we all become um, communists. That we all <laughs> raise Karl Marx. So uh-huh. I kid you not, I wrote a paper yesterday for a women's studies class, which is my very first women's studies class on the sports bra, because it was supposed to be gender and fashion. Mm-hmm. And of course I managed to make it about capitalism. <laughs> I'm like, wow, the sports bra was revolutionary. It ultimately just contributes to the capital cycle, which diminishes its ability to be revolutionary. Like mm-hmm. I managed to bring it into everything. It's like, because it really, it really does affect every single way of our life. Honestly, yeah. because most people are in the pursuit of money or are trying to get in a position to be in the pursuit of money. <laughs> yeah, so that's if, why Donald Trump was probably better for those new co- news corporations because they got more mm-hmm. funds. Well, oh, 100%. I remember I was watching, um, what's Michael Moore's documentary? Uh, 11.9, Fahrenheit yes. 11.9. I was just there watching that a few days ago, yeah. So I was watching that one and uh, I think it was, I can't, I think it was on, I want to say NBC. I can't specifically, don't hold me to that, but it, yeah. it was a corporation, a television corporation that was, and it was a call, um, an internal call between them and different departments. And basically they were like, Donald Trump is terrible for the country, but fantastic for us because of ratings. And yeah. that's, that's it. He's fantastic for the, for ratings, but terrible for the country. So like, let's keep pumping his information out there because people are watching and that, and that makes me sad. Cause I'm like, if we're trying to be writers and trying to work in the media and we're, we're being taught to be unbiased and try and present like well-rounded information the only people that are getting uh getting the most attention are those that are either being polarizing or those that are shamelessly plugging themselves completely online and as you said a shell of once of who you once were so there's no real connection to the person you know and it's there's just no I don't authenticity know. there's exactly. no authenticity there's no such thing as a non-biased non-partisan media there's yeah, always, been, yeah, especially true. now, especially You're now absolutely with, correct. with yep. online advertising and stuff, there's no such thing mm-hmm. because they want your money. They want your exactly. And I don't know. I look at, there's this feature on the Gazette where it basically shows the top five articles that are being clicked on. And mm-hmm. I'm always going to that. And I'm like, Hey, did my latest article get on this list? Because mm-hmm. I value myself as a better journalist. If my article gets more clicks mm. than if it's actually quality journalism. And that. And that's exactly what it is that makes me the most concerned about this, which is because I'm getting in that space. I am nowhere near as good as you, my girl. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not in the Toronto. I'm not in Toronto. I'm not on CBC like that. I'm just starting out. <laughs> you can find Don't my articles on Fanshawe in, in tarotbank.ca. But um, no, in all honesty, I'm still 
I'm still new, right? So I'm just beginning to see all those things that you had mentioned earlier, where people are trying to push you to be more of a brand as opposed to yourself, where they're trying to get the images to follow this specific brand. So then after you fit in with whatever criteria they're trying to push out. And it just, it's so weird. It's so weird. Cause I'm like, this is not who I am. So I'm just like, I guess, I guess I'm going to work for myself. That's what's going to happen. Cause I'm like, that's basically the only way, the only concept that I can figure out the only, the only way to, f- to fight this is to work for yourself in my mind. Cause I was like, I'm not, I just, I hate adhering to these rules when they don't make sense. And that's my biggest thing. I'm like, if, if the rule does not make sense, why are we following it? And it's because it makes money going back to what you said about capitalism. It's a, a plan that works. And I'm like, I don't care because <laughs> I will figure out my own plan. There is a lot of days where I'm like, fuck it. Like I want to work for myself. I just want to write yep. my own articles. But then you think about, well, which articles are going to get picked up? It's exactly. not the articles that you enjoy writing. It's the articles that's going to get you more clicks, get you more money. Exactly. So and I guess you're just a part of the capitalist system and it's not going to be demolished unless someone mm-hmm. just takes a hammer and just goes whack. And it's, that's not how <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. You're, you're right. Work. Oh man. So to end things on a pessimistic note, guys, um, we're all going to die at the hands of stupidity. Uh (laughs) And Jeff Bezos. Cheers to that. Exactly. Cheers to that. Guys, check us out at uh, Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Music. And as we already plugged several times, we're a writer's guide. Read our articles. (laughs) Where can they find you, Sarah, again? They can find me at, on Twitter, as we've been discussing, (laughs) Sarah, S-A-R-A-H. K Wallace, W-A-L-L-A-C-E, and the number seven. Or you can find me on Instagram, Sarah.Wallace7. And yeah, I guess you can find me on LinkedIn now as well, Sarah Wallace. I work for the Western Gazette. You'll see my smiling face. <laughs> so you can't find me on any socials because I'm not on them, guys. But you can find me or my articles or just read anything that the fantastic team at Interrobing writes at the interrobang i-n-t-e-r-r-o-b-a-n-g dot c-a you can follow us on fsu interrobang on instagram and fsu interrobang on twitter so let us know what you guys think let us know how you're feeling about the 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 most recent election about the masks anti-masks just share your thoughts guys we'd love to hear them so thanks again for listening to the podcast everyone have a wonderful day 